0: Hello again, and welcome to the SEC Daily here at Southeastern 14. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We are not doing this live today. This has been pre recorded for Thursday. Got a very special guest. I've listened to this guy's show probably a hundred times. It is one of the most unique and best sports podcasts I've ever heard. My guest is Tyler Siski of the McCradian Siski podcast. Excuse me. No, Tyler here. Uh, got here by working at umpteen different fbs and and fcs staffs he's been in alabama he's been at Ole miss he now runs quick you uh which is a recruiting service i think that the coaches use if i hope i haven't done damage there with my intro to you but uh what i like about you is you've been there you have lived this you're a truth teller um your style at this is amazing Uh, if people don't listen to your podcast that they should so with that welcome to the show Tyler Siski. and in any gaps or in imperfections in the resume there feel free to correct me
1: that was, that was pretty good that was a nice clean intro I you know <laughs> pronounced the name right that's the first that's the first start starting point pronouncing the name right so yeah no uh yeah I've been doing it for about 20 years I coached for about 20 years had a high school stop in there at St. Paul's Episcopal Mobile um, which was really good for me in my career I got to coach some really good players, uh, some that are still playing, Um, and uh, you know, started doing this podcast stuff for fun. And uh, I just kind of tell it like it is. I don't uh, don't sugarcoat anything, and kind of, I guess you'd call it peel back the curtain style. I guess is probably the right way right way to say it. Um, But just tell things like they are.
0: Yeah, the, the the angle that that you have that I think you use is really well. Is you have you have done things at a level that people like me have have never dreamed of, and and I think that's what if you're going, why would I listen to this guy's podcast as opposed to other guys out there? It's because Tyler has has seen and done things at a level that most of us in the sports media business uh, have have not seen or done. So with that, uh, I appreciate your perspective. I know it's going to be different than what we offer on the show, and I look forward to oh that good. Today.
1: yeah we'll be we'll have fun.
0: All right, uh, always a reminder, we're always looking for sponsors for the show. Email caroline.smith at southeastern14.com if you're interested. All right, Tyler, um, SEC, we're at the halfway point. Give me some things that have surprised you about the league, good and bad, so far.
1: Um, I would say I'm, I'm going to start. I'm usually a positive guy. You know, Neil always says that I'm a glass-half-full guy, but I, I'll start negative. Um I just don't see a – there's not a complete dominant team in the league. I think every team has holes. Uh, I think the portal is taking its an effect on the SEC um, in a different way than uh, most, most conferences. Um, and there's just – there hasn't been a complete team. Um, Georgia, however, last week made me rethink that. Uh, i thought georgia had is probably as as dominating they look like they look like vintage georgia and what Mm -hmm. i mean by vintage is they look like you know 21 and 22 georgia last week and um they have a uh, really really good chance to uh run the table with their schedule um good good surprises um man i I just think if you said this was a good surprise, I do think there's because of there's not as many dominant teams, I think there's a lot more parity in the league than there's been in a long time. Um, and I think you see that nationwide. Uh, that's not just an SEC thing. But, you know, it's kind of refreshing to be able to uh, see new players involved in the game and new players, and you know, competing and getting after it and in close games. That that part's fun. Uh, but. I think as the you know the year goes on, we get closer to the end of this thing, uh, the SEC's got to be careful uh, that they don't squeeze themselves out of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I think the playoff chase is going to be fascinating. I think we'll get to that a little later in the conversation. But I want to ask you with Georgia, uh, because I think we were all wondering the same thing before that Kentucky game where they just opened up a can on Kentucky. They're, what, plus 400-something in yards, I think 33-11 to 11 in first downs. I think the running game has been a question people have had. I think they've had to use wide receivers there at times. Um, you know, th- There's certainly not a Nick Chubb, I think, in that backfield. that That's one thing that I look at and say, maybe that's a hole with Georgia. I don't know if hole is a, a fair way to put it, but what, what are places that you have questions about them in terms of being up to Kirby Smart's last two teams?
1: Well, I think, actually, the question will probably be on defense. Run defense is probably not as style as it's been. Um, you know, if you just look, defense is still great, okay? I think they're second in the league on defense um, right now. So, it's, they have a, they still have a great defense. But what they've had the last two years was just, I mean, that was once in a generation kind of stuff, right? And I think they're a step down from that on defense. Not far, but they are a step down. And like you said, you know, having a dynamic player at running back. But – you know, I was talking to a buddy of this uh, about this yesterday morning, I think, is like, you know, you have all these questions. Well, you know, the running back and got this freshman quarterback, but you look up, they're eighth in the country in total offense. Yeah. Eighth out of a hundred and whatever, 30 teams or whatever, they're eighth. And that puts them second in the SEC behind LSU. So uh, what questions it when mean, you got a team that's second in SEC in defense and total defense, a team that's second in the SEC in, defense, in total defense, and a team Total offense. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good team. So, you know, I I just think with with what the portal has done to this league, I don't know if you're ever going to see teams as dominant as you've seen. You know, in 21 and 22 with Georgia, 2020 with Alabama, 2019 with LSU. I don't think you're going to see teams like that ever again. I think you're you're seeing the new standard of the SEC with the portal.
0: Yeah, well, hold that thought for a minute because I wanted to return to it. But I think the thing that was interesting to me about that game, and I know Kentucky had not played much of anybody, but the past defense had been great. Max Hairston has had a tremendous year. Uh, Mark Stoops always – those teams are good on defense. And then Carson Beck comes out, throws for almost 400 against them, four touchdowns, one pick. And, look, this is a guy that's only just now halfway through his first starting season uh, how do you think he he stacks up in, in terms of guys they've had there recently and, and whether he's a guy to, to get them back where they want to be at the end?
1: I think he's more talented, for sure. I think he's the most talented one that Kirby's probably have talent-wise. Um, I mean, he's young, and, and he gets better every single week. You know, I made the joke, I guess, with Neil last week on the podcast. I think it was with Neil and Jeff Collins on the podcast. I was like, look, when he just relaxes and plays, he's really good. You know, and look—he's got—he's got the safety blanket. is the safety blanket. I mean, if he—he he can close. If he gets in trouble, he can just close his eyes and throw it to nineteen and listen for the crowd yeah. I mean, he's got—he's got the best safety blanket in the business. Uh, but the kid's talented, man, um, and I think they've known that for a long time. This has not been a secret coming out of Georgia. Uh, but he's getting better every week, and I think that's why you're seeing things starting to click a little bit. I think really in the second half of the Auburn game, you know, I know he was I know Brock Bowers went nuts, but um he he did some really good things. He if he just relax when he relaxes and starts trusting and gets reps, the more and more reps that he gets, I, I think he's the sky's the limit for the kid. I think he's the most talented quarterback I know that Kirby's had since there, and that's really counting uh Bennett and Fromm. But uh I think the guy's legit. I really like him as a quarterback.
0: You mentioned Brock Bowers. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be the SEC Player of the Year because I mean we we never give it to a tight end, and and they're going to spread the wealth a little bit. But is he the best player in this league? Uh,
1: I mean, I, I, you'd have to. I mean, he's definitely in the argument, right? I don't know who. The, yeah. I don't who would who would be the who would be the
0: argument. Well, I think there are – In fact, glad you mentioned this. I, I did this on a Wednesday show. Just you um, <laughs> right. That, that's why you're here. Um, SEC Network picked Jaden Daniels as its offensive player of the year with their four guy, and I, I think at this point he's the guy, right? I mean, the, the rushing and the passing numbers have been undeniable. Great right year. He gets that rib injury, comes back, leads him to, and that's really what this is about. It's about winning games, right? I right. um, you, you got a lot of guys having great years. You got Ray Davis at Kentucky. You got Spencer Rattler with no help. Uh, you got Brady Cooks had a terrific year until the second half of LSU. You got Luther Burden. Uh, you got Malik Neighbors, uh, and you got Brian Thomas. Although Thomas had to put up the numbers, the neighbors. I, I think it's really been a good year uh, for offensive players in this league. But I think you got to, you sort of got to compare them to their positions, right? There's, there's no tight end that's doing what Brock Bowers has done, oh, no. and I mean, and and that's, I think that's kind of, if you want to make him the best player, to me, that's your jumping off point. You compare quarterbacks against other quarterbacks. And I'm not sure the separation there compared to position is as great as it is with Brock Bowers and whoever else.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you just made me, my vote would definitely be between Brock Bowers and Jaden Daniels. I mean, you got to look at who's the most important player to their team as well, right? And yeah, the thing with Brock Bowers is, one, is, you know, and Jeff Collins pointed this out on our show a couple of weeks ago, is that think about all the stuff the kid has to learn every week. I mean, he lines up in so many different positions, um and that's not and i know everybody it's not a madden football game right when you're going and you're in are every week you've got these new game plan plays and you go put things in there one you have to learn them all in a short period of time but two is you have to execute them physically you know i mean like i'm talking about things the timing and everything has to be down it's not just a mental uh memory that he's having to do it's a physical memory too that he's having to do in a short period of time and and it's just really impressive. From a quarterback standpoint, when you put a new play in, he just – you know, you may put new routes in, but it still may be a high-low corner read, right? And it, it's The reads may be the same as other plays, even though they're different routes. So there's only so many things that they can learn, and, you know, can you throw the ball and read the defense. Um, Like, Brock Bowers is a very – he's so difficult to tackle. He's one of the most yeah. – there there are guys out there like this that are just hard to tackle. His balance and body control is unbelievable, um, and he's just you know he did look human last week. He dropped a touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone, so that was, you know that's the that's the first drop top, drop pass I think I've ever seen the guy drop. So I know he's not a robot, but he plays like <laughs> he, he's he is uh, he's the elite of the elite.
0: All right, I think the question that kicked this all off was surprises in the SEC, good and bad. And I got asked this on the show yesterday. My first answer without any thought was LSU's defense. I just have been stunned with how bad they have been. And I know they've got issues at corner. They they brought in a transfer from, I think, Southeastern Louisiana. And sometimes it translates and sometimes it doesn't. But with all that talent LSU's had, and I get they kind of had to reset the roster when Kelly came in. They had all the guys leaving before and after the bowl game, and it wasn't vintage LSU. But I'm just shocked that with that situation, that defense is as bad as it is.
1: Yeah, you know, it's some of it's you know, inexperience on the back end. Uh, they have a ton of talent up front, and then things they're doing. You know, when you have you know, Harold Perkins is an unbelievable talent, um, and you know, but when he races up the field, you're starting to see people attack that in scheme. Um, you're seeing, you know, a lot of man-free, a lot of man coverage, and a lot of a lot of people are attacking that in the running game, not just the passing game. Um, they're not really passing things off on the back end. They're they're switching things off. They're not switching things off. They're they're running across or whatever. And so, you got guys. There's everybody's running every type of mesh and crossing route that you can run. Guys are getting hung up in trash, and they're getting you know, scot free running out the back door. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's hurting them in the running game, too. I mean, if you, you can get in 12 personnel and do some formation, some unbalanced, and, and using two tight ends and, you know, creating extra gaps. And you can, and you can make them, you know, a man short in the running game as well, you know, gap-wise by creating more gaps, uh, doing some unbalanced things. And, you know, there's a lot of things with, when you're playing that kind of defense and you're going to be aggressive like that and you're going to play that much you know, man coverage, you you have to, you know, be sound. And I think that's some inexperience on the back end, um, you know, not getting lined up or not getting the right gaps and things in the, in the at backer. And, and especially when you're playing two stand-ups, got to be really sound. You know, I, I think that's created some issues. Now, the good news is that can be fixed. Um, and I know that's something I'm, I imagine they're trying to address. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm excited this week to watch the game uh between Auburn and LSU. But yeah, I mean you're right. I mean they've been they've been pretty much uh and it's gotten worse as the years gone on because now people got film on right and so they yeah. know what to expect. I mean I don't know if you watched the old Miss LSU game and that was as an offense I'm an offensive guy. I probably should have said that to start this show, but big yeah. offensive guy. So the amount of offense in that game that was like a dream for me to watch. Yeah. But, you know, the very first touchdown of the game, they line up, you know, Ole Miss lines up Quinshawn Junkins, you know, into the boundary. They motion him back to the backfield. Well, the guy that never switched it, he just went with him and then he flared to the right. They run crossing routes with the two receivers over here. There's, he can't run around at all. And Quinshawn's over there, fair catching a touchdown in the corner of the the end zone. I mean, just a lot of things like that, easy and critical moments, you know, people are taking advantage of playing so much man free.
0: I was wondering, did you see anything from them from the minute Perkins got them? I don't know how much of the game you, you got to watch, so I don't want to make assumptions here. But, it, you know, I was watching that game. I'm thinking they just cannot get stops. Cook is just picking them apart, and it's 22-8, to eight and I don't see an end in sight. Perkins gets a pick. They get one at the end of the game, and they get a couple stops in between. I don't know if that's a situation where they did something differently or maybe even just – look, they're college kids. Sometimes you lack confidence. You – you you get a couple of stops, it starts building on itself. I'm wondering if they found anything in the second half of that game that's workable taking forward.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I watched the game. I, I don't know. I haven't watched the all 22 copy like coaches film, but I watched it a t, the TV copy. Obviously, you know, I, I don't know as much as you know. I think they were able to push the pocket a little bit better, and you know, so as fans understand, when you got Perkins and you got these edge rushers, that they have they're forcing quarterbacks to escape to step up in the pocket. Well, if you can't push the pocket from the inside, then there's going to be escape lanes, right? There's going to be holes yeah. for him to step up and make a throw. You if, if – when you're that good on the edge, you have to be able to push the pocket. Well, they're so good on the edge that they're creating – got to push the pocket quick. And so I think some of it's getting out of rush lanes a little bit. Um and not retracing and things like that. And when they do that well on the inside, they're actually better on defense. Um, but when you give the, the quarterback's job is to buy time. And I thought Cook did a good job early in the game of buying time. And you also got to have the right routes call right? So when you know it's third, you know, for – so here's a little coaching thing for you, all right? You know it's, you know, second long, third down – you know, third medium long. You know throwing's coming. You know you're getting pressure when you're playing LSU. You know you're getting speed rushed on the outside. All right, so I know I'm probably going to, have to step up in the pocket. I need something coming in my vision as a quarterback when I step up in the pocket so I can get the ball out in the throwing lane. So you got to have a crosser. So I think some of those plays, they really didn't have anything in Cook's vision on those early yeah. downs and got behind the chains. Um, but that's what LSU has to do to get stops is get you behind the chains early or be able to push the pocket on the inside. It's not actually you – know, everybody wants to throw garbage on the back end. But, you know, there's,
0: there are 11 guys that play defense. You mentioned old Miss LSU a minute ago, and that reminded me of something. When the SEC Network guys made their their midseason picks for Coach of the Year, which is just kind of a weird award because a lot of times what it does is it, it takes the guy who had a, a bad or mediocre team that next year and improved it the most, whereas Kirby Smarts and Nick Saban seems like they don't win that award. The, the nominees, they, the guys they named were Saban – Kirby Smart, Eli Drinkwitz, I said I thought that you could make a case for Lane Kiffin, too. I don't, I don't know if he's a guy, but I feel like he's at least maybe in the discussion, uh, given what they've done with that offense. Um, look, they've had a good year. I know they lost the Alabama game. That was disappointing. But um, wh- where would you put Lane Kiffin in that conversation, or would you?
1: Uh, for a coach of the year, I mean, it's early. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, they've done – Lane, in my opinion, Lane is one of the top five play callers of my generation. Um, yeah. I had a chance to work with him at Alabama. Um, he, he's elite of the elite when it comes to play callers. Um, golly, I didn't even thought about coach of the year stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they have an opportunity. They got, you know, got a bye week. They're playing the best opponent of all time this week uh, in bye. Um, so, they're, so they're going to win this week. Uh, they got the, if he is able to get through that Texas A&M games coming up, it's going to be really big. You know, yeah. he's got, I'm actually excited about next week. I'm going to take next week off considering my past and who I know uh, they travel to, <laughs> they travel to Auburn uh playing Hugh Freeze. Um, and so I'm taking that week off. I don't need to listen to all both sides of that, of that rivalry or whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't call it a rivalry. It's like a personal thing, I guess, next week. But uh, that game's going to be personal, I think, for both sides, um, so that could get weird. Uh, but if they find a way to beat Auburn, they're uh, they got Vandy the next week, and then you start playing Texas a and That that can set up a showdown, and and now you're looking at a ten and two season, you know, because I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's on a different planet. Uh, but Ole Miss's big thing right now is is defense. Okay, yeah. they have two big they have two big issues. I think Ole Miss does to really take this thing to the next level defensively. I don't think they're very good. Um, uh, and, you know, they they found a way, uh, ironically, last week, offense didn't play great. Defense found a way to win a game, which is is encouraging if you're a coach. Um, but offensively, they still have problems up front on the offensive line. And that they struggle sometimes to get the running game going. Uh, but they are elite when it comes to quarterback play. And, you know, Trey Harris, he, he's been banged up. But Trey Harris is, uh, I think, one of the best receivers in the SEC. Uh, when he's healthy.
0: Why have they not been able to get Judkins on track consistently?
1: I think a few things. Uh, I think early they leaned a little bit on uh, zone scheme, um, and that requires, you know, getting your offensive lineman running sideways. And I think in the LSU game, I think, one, the run scheme was different. They were able to scheme up some things against LSU's defense. And they and they ran a lot more gap scheme and, you know, getting, getting him downhill. He's not really a, a lateral sideways, you know, uh, east and West runner, you want to get him downhill, and his you know one cut make him a one cut runner. I mean, he's he's really efficient. He's he's got really good balance and body control, but I, I think it starts up front. You know, I think there's too much lateral outside zone stuff. I'd like to see a little bit more gap scheme, counter power kind of stuff with him. Um, and they were able to get him doing that against the LSU in the LSU game. But um, that's who he is, and you know. You know, right now, just to be honest, Bentley, Bentley's running the same scheme and uh, he's the backup uh, and he's had a more productive – he's more productive when he's in the game. You get more explosive runs with him in the game and you're getting more junkies. All
0: right, I want to touch on the two Alabama schools for a minute here, Tyler. Um, my answer ultimately on Coach of the Year was Nick Saban. And I, I don't think it's a clear-cut answer, but they have, they have taken some bumps. I, I think you've got an NIL era that is – Got some philosophies maybe contrary to the way he tries to build his program. You can tell me whether that's fair or not. And they got caught in a spot where they don't really have a, a quarterback, at least not up to Alabama standards. And, and yet you've seen him two weeks ago. They go down and, and they plaster Mississippi State just by run, run, run. And you're thinking that's what they're going to be. Well, then they flip it. They turn Melrose loose and they win that game through the air against AM. and um, I thought that was impressive. I think he's got a defense where he's built back. I don't, I don't know if it's up there with the best defenses he's had, but it's it's pretty darn good, especially on the back end. Um, I don't think Nick Saban has got enough credit for maintaining what he's built, and now you've seen a guy that can sort of absorb a punch and maybe change some directions. And, and you look up, and they're back in college football playoff contention.
1: Yeah, you know, when it comes to quarterback, I always. People forget they had this run of quarterbacks they just had, right? So you had, you know, Jalen Hurts, you had Tua, you had Mac Jones, and you had Bryce Young. Okay, um, in case anybody has doesn't watch football, those four guys are starting. There's there's thirty there's what thirty two NFL teams, and they're four of the starting quarterbacks, right? So they they're starting on Sundays. They're pretty good. And so what you it's very difficult to. When, especially when you got a guy like Bryce Young that's been playing quarterback for, what, three years, been the starter for three years, very hard in today's world of the transfer portal, and this is kind of what I was referring to. This is part of one of the reasons I was referring to in the transfer portal. It's very difficult to go and have the – recruit a quarterback out of high school that you have time to, to develop and is willing – that's that good. You're recruiting him to play at the University of Alabama. All right, he's that good. It's very difficult for him to say, "Hey, look now, I need you to sit here for three years yep. and wait your turn." That just doesn't happen. Um, I think um, that's the problem with the portal in the SEC. Is the and I think that's what you're seeing with the SEC this year, and it's the first year that's really you're starting to see it kind of show itself. Is in the SEC for years, every school, your Georgias, your Alabamas, your Tennessees, all of them. That's why they've all it's the SEC is they have stockpile talent. Yeah. And okay, the guy that's coming in as the two this year, and he's playing 25, 30 snaps on defense or offense or whatever, he's just waiting for that guy to leave and then he's the superstar. And then you you stockpile this talent. Well, now in the world of the portal, these guys don't want to be the two in the both. They want to go somewhere and and play, and, and I'll use the example of LSU, and I can't think of the kid's name, so forgive me, but, like, LSU, great example. They lose their backup guard, okay, in the spring. <coughs> he goes to Maryland because he's going to be the starter. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's starting at Maryland. Well, what happens when L- he's got this huge high ceiling? He's a young guy, but he's got a massive ceiling. He goes to Maryland to be the starter, getting reps. Well, LSU, they need somebody to be a backup. And so what do they do? They take the guy that was a starting guard at Maryland and bring him in to be the backup. <laughs> so they made a swap. Yeah. All right, but here's the deal. is He doesn't have as high of a ceiling yeah. as the kid that just left. And so when when you're having to bring in an SEC, you're bringing in these portal guys. These guys don't – there's a reason they went to wherever they went. Very few. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. There are exceptions. But for the most part, and look at the numbers. Last year, I want to say we looked at this around the draft time. There were like 50-something portal guys that went into the NFL draft last year and got drafted, but only like four of them actually moved up, okay, like went from a group of five school to a power five school. And so that's just the stats, and those kids don't have as high as a ceiling. That's why they went to wherever they went out of high school. and so i think what you're seeing in sec is you're seeing backups the guys that are your depth pieces that have to play and produce they just they're ready to play because they know what to do and how to do it but they don't have the ceiling of athleticism that the guys that left did and so that's where i think the the big hit is and the same thing that happens with quarterback right and um, i I just think it's very hard to stockpile uh, quarterbacks with that being said yeah, that's the issue at Alabama. I mean, that's I mean. Besides that, if you put Bryce Young at quarterback at Alabama right now, he's back for year four. We're having a different conversation about Alabama right now.
0: Yeah, and that's what I understood too. Was it, it wasn't that they just stopped recruiting quarterbacks? It just guys look up at the roster, and say, "Well, they got this guy, that guy, that guy. My path to playing time's blocked. I don't want to wait. You go somewhere else." And that's how Alabama ends up where it is. But it, it sounds to me like you just kind of outlined a a lot of why we're seeing the the parody in college football today which I, i think it's i have some issues with how it's made but man it is made for a fascinating game right now because it is i think it's as competitive at the top as i ever remember it
1: yeah you you got more parody across the board for sure i mean yeah um roster building is completely different um I mean, look at what, you know, Dion and those guys have done out there at Colorado. He's got a whole new roster. You couldn't have done that. You used to have – you had 25 chances to change it. That was that yeah. was your – for years and years and years, you had 25. Well, now the NCAA's is throwing away the 25 rule. So, you can go flip a roster however you see fit. You know, you can go in. There's nothing stopping the next coach from going in there and literally cutting all 85 scholarships and starting completely over. And go and sign and you can sign 85 high school kids or you could go sign you know 42 high school kids and 42 portal kids you can literally it's unlimited free agency it's an unlimited draft and so it's a you there's literally the old saying there's a thousand ways to skin a cat there there really is you can do whatever you see fit um i have my opinion on 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 that and how it affects culture and nil and things like that um and i think that's that's also a big problem with the sec too that no one is talking about i'll give you something on your show that literally no one is talking about is the problem with the sec is this is for most when nil came into play okay when nil came into play you're sitting in a league where you got 14 teams and you're going nil started okay well i need to go get all these recruits and pay them because everybody else is but the problem is is that your depth that you have sitting on the bench, um, Maryland wants to pay the, that kid fifty thousand to hundred thousand to come play to come play guard. Well, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to. So now SECs having to pay their own roster before they go recruit. And yeah. so if you don't have a massive amount, that's why the SEC is is where they are right now. Is because they when the NIL hit, they had a roster full of players that they had to pay to keep from going. All yeah. right, let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you think the third team safety at UCLA was getting uh, offered a hundred grand to go play at Alabama last year?
0: You wouldn't think so.
1: But do you think the third team safety at Alabama is getting recruited by other schools to go be with money? Of course. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? Like yeah. the SEC is, has a roster. Every team has rosters full of players, backups yeah that that other power five conferences are trying to pay to come yeah and so they they have to pay it's not just about the initial nil money that we can go get recruits i got to pay my own kids to stay yeah you know and so and and in a league that primarily believes in building it from the high school ranks well they haven't used the portal button yet so yeah you know they, they can't transfer and if you look somewhere you know that you better be good out of the portal though when you take them because once you take them they're yours.
0: Well, I want I want to ask you two things, and and I have a feeling we could spend a while on it, and and if you want to, I'm I'm here for it. Um, for, first well, second question is going to be if you are if you're the commissioner of college football, you can can change the rules to anything you'd want. I like that smile on your face because I know you've you've thought this through already. What will that look like? But but the first question before we get to that, it, it seems like we have a system that is probably empowering some some bad actors and maybe chasing some of the good ones out. Is that fair?
1: Very fair.
0: Yeah. Very yeah. fair. I mean- okay, how, how do you how do you fix that and, and everything else that comes with this situation we have?
1: Oh, I could fix everything over a lunch meeting. I don't even need. I don't even need a lot of time. I just, you know, I could fix everything <laughs> over a lunch meeting. We we would we'd have plenty of time to go play golf after lunch. You know, we can fix this thing. Um, the entire system. The problem with the NCAA and the rules right now is the entire system is one hundred percent player based. Yeah. Okay. And so. Every single thing they want, they get. If you You can't do that in any situation in life. You can't do that. If I said yes to every single thing my kids wanted, okay? I mean, we're parents, okay? Name one parent out there, or I'm sure there are out there. Go find me the parent that gives their kid everything. Go find me a parent that without working for it, I want you, I mean, let's just be, let's call it for what it is. And so I like to say uh, with Neil and myself, we're running for common sense party 2024. Okay. (laughs) We just got to have some common sense. Okay. Show me the parent that gives their kid everything they want. Okay. Without working for it, without working for it, show me the parent that gives them their kid, everything they want. And let's go see how that kid turns out. Let's go see how that kid turns out. So we got a system where the players get everything they want. All right. So the very first thing, the very first rule that I would imply if I was a college football commissioner, and it's going to piss off the people probably listen to your show when when this goes live. Would you say Thursday? Yeah. The chat's going to be hot. There's going to be some pissed off people here, but it's the truth, okay? And the truth is, you players cannot transfer immediately. If they want to transfer, they they would have to sit out a year. That's it. You fix about 90% of the problems with that right there. Okay? If you don't like your school, leave anytime you want to. Okay. Anytime you want to, take off. But you just have to sit in year. Okay? Yeah. That's how it was done in the NCAA up until about three or four years ago for a long time. And everything worked out normal. Okay. So what is that, what does that fix? Well, kids are going to start right now, they're chasing checks out of high school. Here's the truth that nobody wants to talk about. Media doesn't want to cover it because it's not cool. I, I got a business I'm on, so I don't care. All right. So here's the thing is kids right now, when they're going to make the decision to where they're going to go out of high school, a vast majority of them are saying, who's got, who's paying me the most money. Okay. And I'm going to take this check and I'm going to go there. All right. Just in case I like the school. And if you do like the school mm. and you like the coach after you get there, guess what? All good. But if I don't like it, I'm going to hit the easy button and I'm going to transfer. All right? So that's that's, that's problem one. Two is let's talk about NIL. Let's talk about money. Okay? Let's talk about money. All right? So if you want to control, like, I'll I'll use him as an example because he's across the street here. Quinshawn Junkins. Okay? Let's just say he's getting paid $800,000 this year. Okay? Let's call that. If he goes out and has a really good year, a really good year, okay, and he had a Heisman Trophy, which is what he was—he was like on the Heisman watch list and all that stuff. Let's say he was having a Heisman Trophy type season. What's to stop him from holding Ole Miss hostage and wanting one point one next year because LSU is going to pay him one point one?
0: Nothing. Nothing.
1: And so you—you stay in this cycle of you—it's free agency every single year. So what sport, there's a reason the NFL's kind of got this thing figured out. I mean, who's the best player right now in the National Football League? You got one person to put on your team who you put on your team. Pat Mahomes. All right. What do you think, Patrick Mahomes, how much money do you think you could get if he just was a free agent every single year? Well,
0: what you're saying they, the same thing Mike Jets, Leach said last year, by the way, it media in his last media days. I don't know if you you caught that, but he made the exact points you're making. I thought they were I thought they were Sailing it then, Tyler.
1: But if Patrick Mahomes, how much would the Jets pay him right now to be their quarterback?
0: How much you got?
1: Right. That's what you see what I'm saying. Like every single year he would reset the market, every single year. And that just it makes no sense. And if you want to transfer, and for my and and here's the other thing, another thing that nobody wants to talk about, okay, is these kids are leaving all the time, right? Well, you know what's not going with them? They're losing judges. credits well, well, they're, no, they're losing credits okay and we're supposed to be getting an education and graduating and all that stuff right graduation rates are going yeah because these kids aren't graduating and they're not and they're having to go back or whatever it is but they're losing credits if you've ever transferred if you're i did if you've ever transferred on this thing um, and when I transferred, I had to go from – I transferred from Auburn to Troy, which was a FCS program at the time, which made that immediate eligibility, okay, which I think that's great. Go back to the old rule. If you want to transfer right away, I do agree with the grad transfer. That will be your free agency. If you get your degree, okay, you can transfer as many times as you want after that. That's why I don't have a, a problem with what JT Daniels has done. The guy's got 84 degrees. If you graduate, that's the whole point of going to college. Graduate, you can transfer all you want to. But that tells you if I'm a student and I want to transfer, I don't like the situation I'm in, all right? I can go in, and I can go in and bust my butt and get my degree, okay? The other thing is, is, look, I've really – let me tell you why I enjoy college football. College football as a player taught me so many lessons in life that took me – because I was terrible. I was an awful player, all right? I had to fight through adversity. These kids don't fight through adversity anymore, all right? They – they they get an adversity, they don't like it, they hit the ease button, they quit because they can transfer. There's no no life lesson being taught right now. The coaches can't coach the players hard anymore. You can't. Yeah. If you coach the kid hard anymore, I quit. So now we got coaches who are turning into the and that's why you're seeing coaches get out of the game. Okay, you're seeing legendary coaches not like it. And we talk about this word culture all the time, right? It's because you got coaches that are having to be the kids' friends, not their coach. Okay. Did you, did you play football growing up? I did not. Okay. Did you play any kind of sport growing up? Yeah. All right. What was your sport? Uh, soccer. Would you call your coach your friend?
0: Uh, Sometimes. The, the best ones, no.
1: But you you get what I'm saying here. It's like, yes, yes. You have to – look, you're dealing with 18 – it's getting worse now. You're dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids that now have money. Okay? They do stupid stuff. They have to be held accountable, all right, for their actions. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I can't tell you how many kids, a majority of the kids I coach wide receivers, the majority of the kids that I coached in college came from a single parent home. Okay? They didn't have a father figure in their life. Okay? I was it. And so I can't go be, I'm not there to be there. I'm there to be, keep them accountable and hold them accountable for their actions and, and make sure that they're learning how to be productive citizens. And that's not easy. Okay. You have children.
0: Yes. Two of them.
1: How many children do you have? Two?
0: Two. Yeah.
1: All right. How many times have you, if you had the transfer portal on your button, how many times have your kids been so pissed at you that they won't hit the freaking button? And leave?
0: <laughs> I mean, awesome. seriously, you know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Like you, right.
1: there has to be that, that whole rule. It, it, it fixes everything. That, that would be, I, I could do this all day, but that's the number one rule, and actually rule 1A before we even started that was to be to get a college football commissioner. That's, yeah. that's oh, rule 1A.
0: No, no doubt. I, I've said, look, if Nick Saban ever leaves football, I, I put him in charge yesterday. Because
1: problem number one, whether they like it or not, this, this may not piss off people. I may get some high fives back from, from the chat when they go live is you're, you're under an organization and rules that are being made by people who have never broken a huddle before. Yeah. Okay. They have no idea. we got people making recruiting rules that have never been on a home visit a day in their life, never been recruited, never recruited a kid a day in their life. So my number one, 1A rule would be to put people in power that actually know what they're talking about and actually make yeah. the rules that are feasible. Um, and I will give him credit. Charlie Baker, since he's become the president of the NCAA, He is actually asking people their opinion, and that's better than the last guy did. He's actually doing some things that are actually on the right track. So I know this is early, but I'm holding out hope for Charlie Baker. He's doing a really good job so far. Um, But the whole thing, before he got there, there are rules in place that make no sense that the last guy did.
0: I mean, They're terrible.
1: They're terrible. And they're terrible for coaches. Um, They're terrible for the players. And we've taken a a great sport, and we're doing everything we can to run it into the ground.
0: Well, the problem, and this is this is, and I've been in higher ed. Uh, higher ed is run by ideologues, uh, and and not people who've been and lived it and, and and done common sense things. And and that, I mean, that's that would be one start to fixing it. Uh, you know, people that ask people what it means. But and I'll full disclosure here: I was one of these guys a few years ago that said, "Hey, wait a minute, the, the coaches can leave at any time." Uh, so why why do we and, and especially okay players go? You, you tell me most of the time players go to schools because their relationships with the coaching staff, right? And we're going to run this system and whatever. So and just just to use an extreme example. Let's say and this this wouldn't happen, but just to prove a point, let's say pick a team out of a hat, Kentucky. Let's say March Stoops yep. loses tomorrow and that they bring in somebody to run the triple option and you got kids who weren't, again, I'm, I'm making an absurd point to, to make an example, you know, yeah, kids you're... there that don't know the new guys, they were close to the old guys. Um, and now we're running a system that I'm not a fit for and I'm trying to get to the league. How do you deal with that issue practically? See,
1: I've actually thought about this. All right. So, I think there's there's two things when you have a coaching change. I've been, on, I've been on both sides of the coaching change. I've been the coach that left, and I've been the coach that arrived, right? So I've been on both sides of it. I think when your coach leaves, okay, and I'm talking about head coach because you can't ever do this to assistant coaches or it the system wouldn't work. But this is called compromise, okay? So I know this is very hard for the player side to understand this because this is called compromise. I don't like it, but I think it's a fair, common-sense compromise. When a, when a coach leaves and a coach gets fired or whatever it is, kids – they're, they're kids, okay? People – and can we call them kids anymore when we're paying them all this money? That's the argument. That's for another podcast. But here's the thing is kids are emotional, okay? I was here – I was actually on the road with Matt Luke when we got fired, okay? Sitting in Full Moon Barbecue about to go to Robbie Ashford's house for a home visit, okay? Uh, matter of fact, we had just gone to Ricky Wright's house. Before. That was hmm. who we went to before we got fired, all right, so we're recruiting for outside backer, not safety, by the way. All right, so um, – <laughs> but anyway, long story short is when we came back, I'm still an employee at Ole Miss, right? I technically haven't been fired to head coach. And so I had to go to this team meeting when the AD comes in there and tells the players that uh, the head coach has been fired. Okay, you had a head coach and Matt Luke had unbelievable relationships with the players, all that stuff. Um, how we got – that's a whole different story. But multiple – I mean, in the in the – Double digits of players got up and walked out of that meeting pissed off emotional. Okay. So kids are emotional and they make emotional decisions. When it's the biggest decision of your life, don't make an emotional decision, make a business decision. Okay. And so my my my, uh, my coach leaves, okay, coach leaves and takes another job. I think with the portal windows, the way we had it, I think you should not be allowed to transfer until the spring window. That gives you that gives you six months. OK, with a new coach that gives him time to come in here and say, hey, this is what we want to do with you. Hey, and so you can figure out if that's going to work out for me or not. Does that make sense? Like, yes, because look, you don't want to make an emotional decision because I really like this guy. Because you don't you never know. You never know how it's going to work out. OK, you, ne- you have no idea how it's going to work out. It could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. All right. It could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. But let's take an example like Ole Miss, right? So when we got fired from Ole Miss, I was on staff of Matt Luke. We we had we had two quarterbacks. We had Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Okay. Uh, John Rice Plumley ended the season as our starter because Rich Rod was our coordinator. He fit Rich Rod's offense better. Okay. And so when but Matt Corral, unbelievable talent, right? But top three arm talent I've ever seen in my life. All right. And so John Rice Plumley could have said, okay. I get six months to see, okay, we got who's the new coach, what offense are we gonna run or whatever? Okay, and decide, hey, is this really what I wanna do? I can now I can leave at that at that time frame. Same thing with my corral, is this what I wanna do? If not, I can leave in May. Okay, so you give the new coach a chance. Um, and th- and I always told my players, okay, every time I've left, I've left. Uh, when I left South Alabama to come to Ole Miss, same thing, I had a room full of great receivers, okay? We had some really good guys. Jalen Tolbert played for the Cowboys, Baker Saints. we had a room full of dudes, all right? And I'm leaving, I said, no, just give the new – and I, I had the conversation with him, I, and a lot of coaches don't, but I did, look, this is the business, it's what happens. Give the new coach a chance, okay? Don't – Um, I just don't think – and I don't think it's right either. Let's go the other side. I don't think it's right either for a coach to leave and take a job and every player just jump the portal and go with him. Give the new coach a chance because what's lost in all this, like I said before, is this thing called the college education. All right? And, uh, Christy, we don't know each other, okay? Do you know the one thing – without knowing you, do you know the one thing that you and I and every single person listening to this podcast have in common? The one thing, do you know Uh, what that is?
0: I'm not sure where you're going with this, so I'll just let you. All right, you let me go. Well, we will have football, but at um... some
1: point in time, okay, at some point in time, we all get told we can't play the game anymore. Okay, at some point in time, you don't play the game forever. Okay, some of us is at 18, some of us is at 22, some of us is at 32. All right, but we all get told at some point in time. That we can't play the game anymore, and you have to have an education and understand yeah. how to be a productive citizen in society when that time comes. Yeah. And so, don't hit the panic button. Don't hit the easy button. Give the new guy a chance. And I don't think it's right for players to leave at December because their coach leaves and takes another job. Stick around. Give the new guy a chance. You'll be surprised a lot of times. Now, if you're not happy with it, Bolton bolt may they'll still take you. Do you think yeah. Lincoln Riley would have taken Caleb Williams in May if he had waited till May?
0: Yeah, good point.
1: You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, it'll all work out. And so I, I think I think if a coach leaves, the players uh, should not be allowed to leave until May, and then that's a free transfer that does not count. Yeah. that's my that would be my compromise.
0: So so just to be clear, you you get a you you do get one of those free passes if there's a coaching change, but just just a semester later. Yep. See, I yeah, I, I don't know changed. how you could. That that's to me is hard to disagree with. Um, well, that's what
1: I'm saying. It's like that. It's really it, it takes like 30 seconds of fault, but the, the people yeah. who run that make the rules. They don't. They don't. They're so scared of getting sued, right? They're so scared of lawsuits. Well, why are they scared of lawsuits? Because you got a rule book that's this thick. That like I'm I'm not joking. You can go read the NCAA. Yeah. Depending on what chapter you open up in that book, you could have rules that say totally opposite things. There's precedent the way they word things. Just make it cut and dry. Let's put it on a piece of eight by eight by eleven. These are the rules. Yeah. Let's go. You know, it's like tax codes, man. It doesn't have to be complicated.
0: All right. I think this will be the last one for you. We don't spend a lot of time talking about them, but it it feels like you got thirteen teams in the league that are, you know, either either competitive right now or been competitive within the last year or two. And and then you've got Vanderbilt. Uh which they're they're building facilities. That's That's your home
1: crew, man. Come on.
0: I I know, but I I got to ask. Um and I know you being, how how do you fix that? I mean they've got talent issues that you and I see uh they're finally building the stuff that everybody built 15 20 years ago. So let, let's give them that. They're I th- and I think it's going to be nice when it's done. But with nil, uh, and it's hard to raise money when you are losing, which makes the cycle worse. How? What? What is a realistic scenario to where you could make Vanderbilt respectable? How would you do it?
1: So you're saying if I was the AD at Vanderbilt,
0: uh, y- yeah, or whatever,
1: uh, I would I would go I would not take the AD job at Vanderbilt without having in my contract that we got twenty 25- five. Uh, admission waivers for NCAA. If they're NCAA qualified, because that's the only way you're going to give them a fighting chance. I mean, yeah. we're, it's, you took, you, you're taking the pool of available athletes to recruit and you're cutting it by 95%. I mean, seriously, I bet Is you can't, that, I, I, you know, it's okay. that much. It's Well, not, I mean,
0: I, I think from what I understand, I think the standard there. Is along the lines of a 22 ACT and a 3-0 core, it cuts that many people out?
1: A hundred percent.
0: Holy cow. Okay.
1: A hundred percent. Go find me, go find me how many SEC scholarship players had a 22 or above and a three-o core in the in I did academics and eligibility for, for a living. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Okay. It does not a 3-0 core. And for the people that don't understand, we're talking about you gotta have four Englishes. You gotta have three maths, you gotta have two social sciences, you gotta have an extra English math and science and four additional core. That's 16 core classes. Yeah. Now that, that's over a 3 core, easily, easily less than 10%. And it may be yeah. less than five. They have a 3 core. Now we haven't got to the test yet. We're talking about just a 3 core. Yeah. Now the trick with a test is, is sometimes, sometimes. A kid will go to a very easy high school okay where high school classes they're just passing out a's and stuff okay and you see a lot of times kids will have a very high core and a low test score Um, and then vice versa you have kids that go to a very difficult school especially a lot of private school kids a lot of a lot of kids that go to magnet schools and things like that they will have an extremely high test score but a very low core that's why there's a sliding scale in the ncaa but um, yeah, you're, you're cutting the possible pool of candidates down by 90% by having no exemptions.
0: So you're not even um, having the conversation unless you get that answered.
1: I wouldn't. It's like, yeah. it's like the same thing with, the uh, and you, and you see, it. it's the same thing with Ivy, Ivy league schools, the way they do. Uh, when I was a high school coach, I coached at St. Paul's Episcopal school in Mobile. And so the amount of Ivy league and, uh, academies, we were a permanent stop for the air force army and Navy. They came every single year because they could They're, they're in the same kind of plane, so um, you know it's just very difficult to do. And you know, Air Force is having success, some success, but they're playing in the Mountain West. Vanderbilt's playing the SEC. Yeah. I mean, you get different. What if Air Force is right. in the SEC, right? I mean, it's yeah. you, It's a different animal. Um, but that would be the first. I would not take the job unless we were we would get twenty five exemptions. Wouldn't Wouldn't yeah. would consider taking the job.
0: And that's why James Franklin won. He got those until one. It's of them how that are, works, isn't it? Just yeah. I
1: understand. I do. I understand. But you can't blame, you know, because there's one bad apple. You can't. You can't. I mean, when you put, when you bring in, I mean, that that could have happened anywhere. Does that make sense? Like, I I don't yeah. see that as a. I don't. There's no excuse for what happened. None. It's bad. Right. Bad ball. But that wasn't because he played football at Vanderbilt. If the kid played football at Oregon State, the same thing would have happened because that's the kind of person he was. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's not like if you're. It's not like the world is devoid of of smart bad people. It's not like the world is devoid of of good people who didn't do great on their A- ACT.
1: Right. I mean, it's right. it's. I mean, the same thing could have happened to somebody had a 4.0 and a 36 on ICT. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not yeah. – I don't think that had anything to do with their grades. I guess that's my point. Um, yeah. And if you're trying to – if you're trying to – I mean, because I think, look, I, I've told you before we got on, I like Clark Lee. I think they're schematically what they're doing. I like I like him as a football coach. If Vanderbilt ever gets rid of him, they have lost their mind. Okay, he is mm-hmm. perfect for the job. He is doing everything. He is maxing out that job for what it can be. Um, yeah. And until they get exemptions, if you gave if you gave Clark Lee twenty five exemptions every single year, then we can start judging him like a normal football coach. But until yeah. that point happens, I don't understand how you can how you can do that, especially in you know back to the Mark stoop stuff. Same kind of thing It's like I know we probably won't get there in a second, but. Kind of like nil, right? Is like I view nil the way I view coaches and how what kind of job they're doing is very similar to how baseball does it with yeah. payroll. I mean that that's how coaches should be judged, not because in in today's world, not necessarily um, wins and losses like normal.
0: I want to ask you something that I'll that I'll get you out of here in just a second. Um, yeah, you're good. One one criticism I like you've got Wake Forest, okay? Wake Forest does not have five-star athletes all over the field. They've got that slow-mesh system that that works pretty well. Um, One of the the counterpoints I hear in Nashville is, well, they don't have anything that really fools anybody. Um, Does that hold water in this situation?
1: They're still able to recruit. They still have exemptions, right? Like you got to, in my opinion.
0: Probably. I, no, I, I, you know what? I, honestly, I'm out of my depth on that because I don't cover the yeah, ACC. They do. But they but...
1: don't have a lot, but they do. Okay. And you still have exemptions, and they're also playing the ACC now. The ACC is better this year than they've been in the past. But yeah. who does Wake Forest after after they had who did they have last year that made them so good? What was that guy's? What what position did he play?
0: Yeah. Well, exactly, and he's he's doing pretty well where he is now too. So.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And then the other thing is when Vanderbilt was winning, what, what position were they pretty good
0: at? Well, they weren't as good at that position when they were winning, but I, I thought the difference – and you played against them. I thought the difference then was they, they were better in the trenches than they'd been. They actually had some linemen that that could go, you know, get you deep into games and they weren't blowing Up front, but, but they, they were good. But they were solid there, yeah.
1: Yeah, up front they were good and they had a – I'm talking about from a Vanderbilt perspective. They had a right. good quarterback for what – a better than normal quarterback.
0: Also okay. so, was a good ball player. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, the, and, and, you know, but in this league, in the SEC, you got to be really good at three spots. You can be average as grits everywhere else on the entire field. You got to be good at offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback. I, I will take Johnny three star. If you get, if you, if you say, Hey, Tyler, look, here's what you can do you can have 10 five stars and, and build a roster. I'm going to take 40 linemen. Five offense linemen and a quarterback, and I'll take wow. two stars everywhere else, and I'll take two stars. I don't even care, and and we will win a ton of football games in this league. That's how this league, and, that's how this college games won.
0: And it's funny, you see a lot of those guys going top half of the first round when we get to to April. So,
1: but you you look back to Wake Forest. I guess my point is, you know, this year they don't have Sam Hartman. They're three and two, but they're zero and two in league play. They haven't yeah. done anything. You know what I'm saying? Like. You're going to see it as the year goes on.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've kept you a while. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Really appreciate it. Just going to give you the floor at the end. I'm going to ask you a question and then give you a minute to promote your your business and okay. your podcast. Uh, any any big storylines in the SEC that are out there that, that maybe nobody's talking about or that we should have talked about today? Big
1: storylines. Um, I think the SEC is in – legitimate danger of not having a playoff team. Okay. That would be a storyline I would look for as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, I'm Um, I'm with you there.
1: I think you could get into a situation, and the, the, the the easiest way that happens is if Alabama runs the table, Georgia runs the table, they meet in Atlanta, Alabama wins that game, and it comes down to, then you have Texas run the table on their side. And yeah. so you got a one-loss Texas and a one-loss uh one-loss Texas Big 12 champ, one-loss Alabama SEC champ. They're going to put Texas in in that last spot because they beat Alabama. That no, would be, the have, sim- that'd be the scenario. That would well, be I've, the scenario. That would
0: I I've said for some time. I wish we could have had the 14 team play or the 12 team playoff this year because I I think it would be fascinating.
1: It would be. Um this is the year. I, this is by far the most parity um, in the league, I mean, in the NCAA, as far as like uh, you, you go, there's no team like there's been like think about it. I mean, last last two years it was Georgia and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it yeah. game one. New Georgia was going to win the national championship. And they're really yeah, Ohio State's good. They'll be there. Like you could name the teams, right? You can name you can pick the yeah. four or five teams, and they're going to be one. You could literally take two or three teams versus the field. Who's yeah. your team this? Who's your team this year? Everybody has questions. Yeah. Uh, Pac, the Pac-12, ironically, in the Pac-12's last year is probably the best year <laughs> they've had in years. I mean, I, I can't yeah. remember the last time they were this deep. Um, I, I really enjoy watching Pac-12 football uh, for the first time in a long time. Like, I, I'm, I'm in. Every, every Saturday, I'm watching. Um, the Big 12, which is, ironically, Oklahoma and uh, Texas are both really good football teams. Um, the Big Ten, you got three there that it can be Penn State, Michigan or Ohio State. ACC can be, you know, really bothers me. Miami's got a really good team. Um, yeah. You don't have the the issue at the end of the game last week. You got Miami, North Carolina. You got Florida State. And then quietly over there, just just Louisville. lurking in is, weeds is Louisville, right? And um, the SEC is just going to beat itself up, I'm afraid. but. And the SEC, let's be honest, the SEC didn't do great. hasn't hasn't done great in out of conference play versus marquee opponents. I mean, you got Awful. the loss to Texas, and you got the loss to Florida State, and you got Florida's loss to Utah. You got the Power Five versus Power Five matchups did not go great for the SEC this year.
0: Tyler, uh, that's it's been so much fun. Really appreciate you, bet, you spending your time. Tell folks about your your business and your podcast, which. If you've listened this far, you you know now why I call it a, a must listen every week, and and actually it's what three times a week.
1: We do it three times a week. It's McCready and Siski podcast, uh, McCready and Siski podcast. We do it on MPW Digital. We changed uh, yesterday. Um, over, I'm sure you talked to Neil about that. Found out uh, the hard way. Yeah, found out the hard way. Couldn't find it, but we're on the MPW Digital YouTube channel uh, three days a week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 2 p.m. And you said tomorrow is what time? This, is this show live tomorrow or Thursday? Uh, tomorrow it'll or run
0: about 11 central. We'll start it, yeah.
1: All right, so it starts at 11. So we're almost at – we're right at noon. So in two hours, okay, in two hours go to MPW. Just give it a chance. Um, if you don't like it, I will uh, – if you don't like it, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee the next time you drive through Oxford, Mississippi. We try to uh, be funny. We entertain. Tell it like it is. Um, and not not afraid to uh, ruffle some feathers. And tomorrow will be uh, – Kane Womack will be on the show on uh, Thursday, the head football coach at South Alabama. is a good friend of mine. I think he's one of the superstars rising up. He will probably be coaching a team near you uh, in the near future. So, As I think really he's, uh, yeah. he's a fast riser um, and uh, really, really good people. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, we try to be good people and promote good people in the business and uh, tell it like it is.
0: Well, I know our audience, they will love it. Uh, Tyler, we'll, we'll find an excuse to do this again, I hope. and, and Absolutely. Truly, time, truly enjoyed you being here. All right, I enjoyed it as well. He is Tyler Siski of the McCrady and Siski Podcast. I'm Chris Lee of Southeastern 14. Thanks for watching. We'll be back on Friday. Probably we'll have Trey Wallace with us. If not, uh, we'll call an audible and figure something out. But anyway, thank you for watching. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't, and we'll see you again on Friday.